My name is Jacob Stoops, and you're listening to the Page 2 Podcast, my podcast about the reality of being an SEO in which I chronicle the real-life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the industry. Today we talk with Brian Gorman, SEO Director at Go Fish Digital. We discuss how Brian went from being a freelance musician and music teacher to a career in SEO. We cover how he began his career as a link penalty removal specialist, the importance of developing an SEO specialty, what it was like to speak on his first panel, dealing with imposter syndrome, how long-form content can lead to SEO success, as well as helping e-commerce websites figure out how to handle refinements and sorting in an SEO-friendly way. Also, for TV and movie fans out there, we get this close to having a full-on episode in which we exclusively talk The Office. Uh, if you wait until the end, you'll catch it. We drop some references from the movie Old School, reminisce about how he may have missed an opportunity to form a boy band with his brothers, the Gormans, and even contemplate forming our own SEO music group. Again, wait until the end. So get your popcorn and get comfortable as we tell Brian's SEO story. Hey everybody, Jacob Stoops here of the Page Two Podcast, and we are here with another Go Fish Digital employee. It looks like I'm making making the round <laughs> the rounds. Um, we are here with Brian Gorman, SEO Director at Go Fish Digital. How's it going, Brian? That's going great, Jacob. Thanks. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's no, it, yeah, it's um, it's it's definitely going awesome over here and uh, definitely appreciate you guys uh being willing to um to jump on and uh as i'm not only making my rounds through gofish digital but i also seem to be making my rounds through the rally seo community which who knew uh that it is thriving with so many uh, so many good people and brian is um is one of those one of those good people so, hey, Brian, um, before we get into your SEO background, um, why don't you tell, tell people a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. Uh, not sure how far you want me to go back, but um, I'll, I'll take it back just maybe a decade or so. <laughs> uh, so I was uh, a budding musician uh, living in Massachusetts in a suburb of Boston. And um, I had saved up money, believe it or not, uh, teaching guitar lessons. And I was just at a point in my life where I wanted to um, I wanted to change things up and live somewhere different. Uh, a lot of my family lived their entire lives uh, in that area, um, and I kind of wanted to break that up a little bit. So I had a brother that lived down in North Carolina, uh, so I packed up my Jeep with everything I owned and uh, moved down here. I got a job as a, a music teacher at a private school, and that was a wonderful experience. I did that for about six years. Um, Definitely was a great job in some aspects, but in others it was not. So um, after that six years, uh, I you know left teaching, freelanced as a musician for about a year, and then fell into SEO. One of my good friends uh, offered me a job at an agency. Uh, at the time, it was called Angular Marketing. Uh, it is now Hive Digital. Um, that's where I got my start in SEO. That's how this whole kind of uh, timeline began over the last five or six years for me. So let me let me ask you this, and maybe it'll require going back a little bit farther. But one of the things I'm fascinated about always is that nobody seems to mean to get into into SEO, and maybe that's a function of the in, the industry not being very old, or there not being a good foundation for education related to the industry. Um, but I guess one, I want to learn more about um, your you being a musician because I do find that find that fascinating fascinating and I, f I fancy myself a um, uh, I wouldn't call myself a musician I'm more uh, I, I, I'm a singer uh, and not even really a singer even but um, I'm, I have the ability <laughs> the ability to sing which is a lot different than kind of playing instruments and I, I, I would love to for you to share a little bit more about that because I, I honestly I find it fascinating and then I guess my other question would be like what made you what made you stop wanting to be a musician and change your career? 
Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, let, let's definitely revisit the, like, how people get into SEO things. <laughs> I definitely want to talk about that. But, um, yeah, so uh, let's see. So I've got to dig back a little further. Um, I, I think I've, so I have two older brothers. They're 10 and 7 years older than me. Um, and I think that really advanced me uh, in a lot of ways. I was swearing before a lot of my friends. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was seeing, uh, you know, horror films like Friday the 13th, Leatherface, uh, way before a lot of my friends. But uh, another aspect where I was pretty advanced uh, was music. They got me into, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, you know, a bit older than some people in the industry. I'm 39. So uh, I was a child of the 80s, um, like the entire mm -hmm. decade. And so um, they got me into bands like Ozzy Osbourne, Iron Maiden, Motley Crue, uh, just all the good, you know, rock and hair metal kind of stuff. Um, and uh, so that kind of, you know, sparked my passion was listening first. Uh, and then um, my brother, Kevin, actually really, uh, he loved Rush. So uh, obviously, uh, Neil Peart or Peart, however you say you choose to say it. Uh, he, he's obviously their drummer. And uh, he was obsessed with drumming, but he never got into it. Uh, and I think seeing my older brother be interested in something that just made me interested by default. Uh, so I got into drumming. I taught myself how to play drums. Um, I became a drummer in a band. And when you're a drummer in a band, you're literally sitting in a chair uh, during practices. And if you've ever, you know, jammed with a band, practices are done in an inward circle. When you perform, everybody's looking out, but when you practice, everybody's looking inward. And so I would watch the guitar players during practice. And uh, from watching them and hearing the music, I was able to pick up enough uh, information about guitar to uh, start messing around with chords on my own. Uh, and from that point, I learned guitar and then started writing my own songs uh, heading into high school and college. And um, I was urged by one of my college professors uh, to uh, study music as a major. Um, so that's exactly what I did. Why, why an inward circle? Uh, you know, so everybody can communicate. I think it's sort of like athletes, the way they train, uh, I guess, theoretically, um, you do some really focused training at the beginning, like if you're an MMA fighter, and, and then as you get closer to the fight, uh, you start rehearsing things like uh, you know, the stare down and the referee uh, listing instructions, you get a feel for the cage, that kind of thing. So you're trying to um, desensitize yourself to new experiences. So everything is rehearsed. It's kind of the same way with musicians. Uh, at the beginning, we're facing inward and we're stopping the song in the middle and we're communicating and sharing comments and notes and giving suggestions. And then when the performance is coming up, we all face away and mimic the stage performance. This is not the time to stop the song in the middle and communicate. This is the time where uh, we have to tune the song, you know, to its performance readiness. So did you and your brothers ever consider forming a brother band like the Jonas Brothers or the, the Hansons, the, maybe, maybe the Gormans? Oh, man. <laughs> what an amazing question. Right. Because now I'm just picturing that. No, that definitely would not have happened. Um, they, like, they were definitely nice enough to let me in on their music and sometimes, you know, hang out with their friends. But, uh, yeah, definitely don't think it would have uh, taken to the band setting. We all would have had, like, black eyes and stuff uh, from, from house fights. And, um, and also, like, uh, they're artistic but in different ways. Um, my brother Mike, um, yeah, he studied to be an architect. He's an incredible artist. Uh, he's one of these artists that um, he doesn't, you know, he's not like an abstract painter or anything like that, but he's, he's sort of like a mechanical and a structural artist, as you would assume from the architecture comment. Uh, he, he, he can just look at a car um, and just draw it from memory, um, hood up every detail of the engine. Uh, it, it, his memory is almost photographic in that sense. Um, my brother, Kevin, uh, he's definitely artistic, but uh, he never manifested that physically, like into a skill on an instrument or anything. Um, but he definitely has like an artistic mind. It's a thread that runs through our family for sure. That's, uh, that's really cool. Um, no, that's, that's really awesome that you all kind of, um, kind of share that. Um, so where, I guess my question, maybe this is a, a sensitive question, like what made you disenfranchised with music as, as a career? And when you first got into digital marketing, was it right into SEO right away or was there a path? Yeah. So that's another good question. Um, 
I really didn't, uh, I, I really never stopped doing music or becoming interested in it. Um, it was more like a shift in the tectonic plates of my life. And so instead of doing it for a living, it notched into a different location. So uh, what digital marketing did for me is it filled the career column of my life spreadsheet, if you will. <laughs> and, um, and, um, and then music notched into the art of my life. And I think that's a more appropriate place for it. But a lot of the stuff you hear when you're coming up as like a 20 year old and uh, is that people say like, you have to, um, you know, you have to follow your passion. And if your passion's music, that's what you have to do for a living. And so that's what I tried to do. Um, it just, um, it, you know, it just didn't pan out for me as a career. Uh, I, I loved everything I did. I loved teaching lessons. I loved being a paid performer. Um, I loved being a music teacher, most of all. Um, but as far as a career in music, it just wasn't in the cards for me personally. And so when I started doing digital marketing, I started doing music as an art and I started to love it again. Um, so that's, that's kind of the story there. So on the digital marketing side, let's talk, let's talk your SEO background. Um, first off, before I, before I do talk that, do you ever, speaking of like checking boxes, this can be personally, this can be professionally, this is something that happens to me and I don't mean for it to happen, but I can't help it. Do you ever dream in spreadsheets? Oh, oh that's a really weird question, but it happens to me all the time. All the time. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good to meet like the other person that happens to, <laughs> it happens to them too, but, um, Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I would say that my, my um, spreadsheet dreams have evolved over time. So uh, when I first started, it was, it was dreaming in spreadsheets and then it was uh, dreaming in screaming frog. Uh, mm -hmm. And then it's, uh, you know, dreaming in sublime text. So it's like whatever the current tool I'm obsessed with, or um, that is definitely, I mean, I, I do, I, I hate to admit it, but I do think about those things and the formulas and the regular expressions, yeah. and all that stuff. Uh, it's always swimming around in my mind for sure. Yeah, there are times when I, I wake up and I feel like I just worked an eight-hour day. Yeah, yeah there, there's a story that uh, one of Jimi Hendrix's songs like came to him in a dream. Uh, and I swear to you, that's happened to me with Excel and Sublime Text. I, I've been thinking about a regular expression. I'll sleep on it, I'll dream about it, and I'll wake up and I'll kind of like run to my computer and try it out. And there it is. It's capturing exactly the string I want it to. So it, it, can, it can happen in music and art, but it can also happen uh, in our field yeah. as well. That's funny. Um, so yeah, and we aren't the only people I know other people that this happen, happens to. So there are more of us out there. Yes. Uh, so, so let's talk your SEO background. So all right, you got into digital marketing. Um, did you go straight into to SEO? Or was there an evolution into SEO? And I guess just take me through your SEO career and how you got to go fish digital. Sure. Uh, well, so like I said, I, I had quit teaching and I was freelancing as a, a musician for about a year and a half. It was really stressful because every month you look out on your calendar and you have to, you have to fill it with stuff that's going to help you pay the bills. Mm -hmm. uh, so one, one of my buddies uh, who was working at Angular Marketing at the time, uh, he, he's actually like a great childhood friend uh, from Massachusetts, uh, but he had moved down here with his wife and he said... Um, he just reached out and said, Brian, do you want health insurance? Do you want like a good old nine to five where you're in the air conditioning all day, just working on a computer? I had had it by then I was tapping out. So I, I said, yes, absolutely. And um, I started at Angular Marketing under Trip Hamilton. Um, and at the time he was uh, sort of leading the backlink uh, penalty removal department, I guess you could say. Wow. Yeah. And so at, at that time, I mean, this was like five or six years ago. So there were still sites that were getting manual actions and just getting smashed by uh, Google, quote unquote, penalties, really filters. And, um, and so uh, he brought me in and he basically taught me how to um, do a proper backlink analysis and how to get websites out of Google penalties. And that's all we did. We were just a two man team. And, and that's what we did. My, my day consisted of, of, you know, pretty painstaking detailed analysis, outreach to webmasters, and then blowing the kazoo when uh, a, a site's penalty got lifted. You know, we would get that email and they would say like, 
oh, we, you know, we checked and the notification in, in uh, Webmaster Tools at the time, uh, the notification is gone. And, you know, we would all celebrate and write it on the board. That's what I got my start doing. I did that for two and a half years. Um, and it, it really, although I kind of got bored with it because it was a repetitive process and it wasn't really overly complicated, uh, I, I, I did get bored with it at, at a certain point. But I'm so thankful for that time because that continues to be a valuable expertise to this day. It's, it is still serving me. Um, and I didn't really realize that I was developing an expertise that was going to be highly sought after uh, as, as a common thread, no matter what agency I worked at. Um, so it, it was really a great start. Um, from there, uh, like I said, I kind of I yearned for more. I wanted more of a challenge. Uh, so I moved on to ROI Revolution, and I worked under Brandon Howell, uh, who was another great mentor. And uh, that's where I started to dive deeper into SEO. I got into Screaming Frog. I worked for e-com sites. I started to learn about, uh, you know, the content uh, and the contextual side of pages, like title tags and H1s and, and all that. Um, so I got a little bit deeper into SEO. I got a little further out of my expertise, but I always had it. And then uh, from there, uh, that's when I moved on to GoFish. And GoFish was sort of like, it just put everything together, the contextual SEO, the technical aspect, and my backlink expertise. And they just lifted everything to a completely new level. Uh, it's a really special agency. Um, and despite having learned so much from Trip and Brandon along the way, uh, when I got to go fish, uh, it was just like a new, uh, a new plateau. Um, so that's where I find myself now. I, I find myself thriving there. It's, it's an incredible agency. And it's really cool because I can't really name one mentor at GoFish. It's really just been everybody uh, from, you know, the, the C-suite to the managers to the uh, coworkers and colleagues. I mean, it's really everybody has been a mentor and they continue to be. It's a great place. So you, one question that I, I was thinking as you were talking about the backlink removal department to go to go a little bit back and by the way it would be it, it would be nice to be able to have something that um that that specific um not to say that that's that's what i would probably want to want to specialize in but to have things uh that that niche that you get enough um enough opportunities to kind of fulfill and i and i think back then the opportunities were were plentiful it was probably like shooting fish in a barrel but um I, I guess when you were kind of developing that niche expertise, did you feel any, um, or maybe you didn't know, know any better at the time, but did you feel like just having that expertise was maybe holding you back from learning the other areas or did you just not even know that there were other areas at that point in time that, that you could focus on? Yeah, I think, I think you hit it on the head. Uh, I, I really, I just fell into it. Um, I mean, before, uh, I, I can say this now, but I, I completely like lied on my resume to even get the job. I didn't have any Excel experience. I could do like a sum formula and I thought I was a badass in Excel, <laughs> but that was it. Um, and so I totally like, you know, bloated my Excel experience. They were kind of harping on that because you had to be in Excel quite a bit for analysis and mm -hmm. know your way around it quickly, know your formulas and stuff. So I just said I knew them. And then two weeks before the interview, I just took every day on YouTube and just grinded it out and just learned Excel as, as best I could. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I was so brand new to this whole thing. I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, but I would say probably like a year or so, maybe, uh, maybe it took two. I mean, I, I really was having a great time uh, working there. But yeah, I'd say at about that year and a half, two year mark, I started to tune into the meetings a little bit more. <clears throat> and I started to hear some of the other employees uh, talking about deeper SEO stuff. And actually they had hired an SEO back and he sat in the desk behind me. That was kind of game changing because I heard him all the time on the phone with clients. And so that, that information just kept pouring into my head. And that's when I realized like, okay, I've sort of, you know, I've punched my ticket here, uh, at least in this role. And they didn't really have, um, you know, more SEO work for me to, to grow into. Um, 
so that's that's sort of where the desire started for sure cool well um so i i scoped out your twitter and a couple of things i wanted to ask you from from there um you did a panel a couple of weeks ago uh it was your first panel what was that like that was really incredible it was really incredible um i was definitely super super nervous uh i get really worked up in my old age about stuff like this i thought it would be the opposite but when i was a teenager or early 20s again i think i didn't know what i didn't know i was i was young and dumb so i didn't ever get nervous uh now i definitely do because uh, i just overthink things but it was it was truly a joy to do it um i i was on a panel um with two other experts i was you know definitely uh worried that I wouldn't have an answer to any questions. Uh, but it's funny. I mean, once, once you get to know these people, you, you are reminded they're just people that nobody's there uh, out to get you or anything like that. Uh, we had an amazing discussion. Patrick Stocks was the mediator. Um, and he kind of, you know, oversaw the flow of the conversation. They were great questions. The audience was awesome. And I really feel like all three of us on the panel offered a lot of value um, to the audience. And that was a great feeling. Um, so yeah, overall it was awesome and I cannot wait to do it again. So you, you, you um, I feel like you, you brought it right back to where it, almost every episode, uh, gets to at some point and it's completely unintentional, um, imposter, imposter syndrome, right? That's a, that is a, a real thing. Um, and so like when it came to, and I, I, I also, still get nerves, uh, whether it be speaking in public or speaking to clients, it still happens to me as well. Um, so how did you prepare before you, you, you went up on, on stage or wherever you were presenting or before you were speaking? Like, how did you get mentally ready to handle that? Well, I drew on uh, music, honestly. I really did. Because in music, it's the same thing. Uh, I remember being the king guitar player at my high school for maybe like a year. And then, you know, some new kid came in and he was like a prodigy, you know, <laughs> like two years younger than me. And it was like devastating. You know, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I thought to myself, why should I even play guitar if people like that exist? Um, but through that thinking and spending some hours alone in my room, just playing the guitar and writing depressed final goodbye songs. <laughs> I kind of realized that um, we can coexist because he's doing his thing. He's writing his songs, but he's not writing my songs. Nobody can write my stuff. Uh, you know, um, Bruce Springsteen has Thunder Road and uh, Ariana Grande or whatever the heck her name is. She, she'll never have Thunder Road and he'll never have her songs. And that's why the two of them can coexist. And SEO is the same way. Um, nobody has your exact experience. They haven't had your clients. They haven't made your recommendations and gotten your wins and learned from your failures. So your unique experience is exactly why you can coexist with someone who is seemingly better than you at SEO. And that's exactly what I thought of uh, before that panel. They're going to have their answers and I'm going to have mine. And as long as I draw on my experience in an honest way, uh, we're both going to add value and therefore we can both be on that panel together. I think that is, um, I think that's great perspective. One of the, um, to, to, to be honest in terms of my own experience and, and I've, I've said it, um, several times, uh, in several episodes, I don't speak a lot in public. And part of that is because of, um, a little bit of that in, imposter syndrome and also because there, there's just this feeling within me and I know other people share it of feeling like, what you're going to say is not something new or, or anything that the people in the audience wouldn't or didn't already know before. So the feeling of not being able to bring anything of, of real value. And a lot of times, like you said, it's just that, that part's just not, not true. And I think a lot of people don't give themselves uh, nearly enough, um, nearly enough credit when it, when it comes to that. So it definitely, uh, still happens to me. Still happens uh, even to you and a, and, and a lot of other lot of other other folks. So definitely a normal thing. Oh yeah, for sure. I I can echo that strongly. And the other thing I try to do is I try to remember my mindset when I'm listening to another SEO. I'm never 
waiting to pounce on them like some, you know, rabid puma, just, you know, waiting to hear them say something that's even slightly inaccurate and then, and then going to pounce on them. I never do that. I, I listen to them very intently. And while much of what they say may be something that I did already know, almost always they'll, they'll drop that little comment that turns out to be a nugget that either reinforces something you were unsure of. So maybe you didn't learn something new, but you solidified something you weren't 100% confident in, or it really is something new. It's this little detail that you weren't sure of before that they just, you know, put in your head and, and help to advance you. So that's what we do for other people when we speak. So um, I try to think of my mindset when I listen to others and, and remember that nobody's out to get anybody. And you sound like, and I've seen this being kind of spoken about on social, and it is, um, it's so true. There are people in the audience at conferences that are kind of the perpetual nodders and agreeers. And I, I can't say enough that when I'm, I'm speaking or when I've spoken to, to have those people in the audience kind of uh, subconsciously urging you on and, and showing you, yes, I'm digging this. Um, it really is really helpful. So having people like you that clearly, clearly do that is, is definitely something that uh, I think uh, as a speaker is a, is a huge, huge thing in kind of the positive checkbox. So look yeah, for yeah. those people if you're speaking. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's such a like, it's a good, it's a good thing to see. It's so funny how we all, go through this torture independently and quietly in our minds, uh, you know, but then when you open up and talk to somebody about it, you realize like everybody's doing it. Everybody's fighting against their own noise um, and their own self-consciousness. But yeah, you're exactly right. I, I remember looking out during the panel at people who were smiling and nodding and just giving me all these positive signs. It was, it's, it was encouraging and sweet and just really cool. And that, that completely chilled me out. And then I could just speak to them like we're speaking, you know, just hanging yeah. out, having a conversation. So tell me, I want to shift gears a little bit. Tell me about some of your biggest SEO wins. Sure. Um, well, thinking back, um, I think, oh, actually, I, I want to think back even further. I almost gave one from GoFish, but I have to go back to uh, Angular or Hive Digital. I'll call them Hive from now on, give them some, you know, branding. Uh <laughs> My, my first uh, penalty that got removed, that was a huge win because um, I think whenever someone's talking about a new experience, whether it's, you know, the first time you perform, the first time you play in a football game or you go to camp or something like that, they always talk about the magic of it and you, you hate to lose that magic. Well, that first penalty that got removed, the magic in that moment was completely unforgettable because it kind of did feel like a magic trick. Uh, Google to me was still this mythical creature uh, that just gave me everything I searched for. And uh, so to do work that made Google change its mind, it was the first like little connection there. Uh, and that was a really magical moment. And then I would say I, I would have to fast forward to go fish for a couple of big ones. Uh, I was doing SEO for a law firm when I first came through the door at go fish and they came right out of the gate and they said, we just relaunched our site and our traffic has been, you know, just fallen off a cliff, really. And it was pretty much my job to figure out what was going on. Um, and I was able to. Uh, and um, what we pretty much did was we, I, I was in their WordPress CMS and I looked at their HD access file and I saw 302 all over the place. And Patrick Stocks is going to kill me for this one, but... Uh, what I did was I took their HD access file, I threw it in sublime text and applied a simple regular expression to turn all the 302s into 301s. We slapped it back in, boom, and we hit, you know, submit pretty much. And those, that visibility just climbed right back up that cliff and it actually went way beyond it. They were ranking for somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,000 keywords before and then after our work, it got up to about eight or 9,000. Um, so that was a really it was such a great win. It felt like um, good, solid finding, good technical SEO work, and, and a good payoff. Uh, so that was that was one of the bigger ones uh, at GoFish. And again, it was because it was early on. And when you when you started a new agency, you want to make a statement with your work. And uh, that was that was one of the first ones I was able to make. And and what what value on kind of the if you're the client, what value on the receiving end? did that make in terms of your 
business because something I think a lot of us forget about is the real life impact in terms of the, the work that we're doing when, when we help traffic go up or sometimes when traffic goes down, like what was the value to the client? What did they think? Well, okay. So <laughs> it, it really, I think um, when they relaunched their site, it, it really was a cosmetic relaunch and they had no SEO agency overseeing it. And so I could imagine that internally they were so excited about the new look of the site. They had, you know, a, a new banner image and all these animations happening on the homepage and their site was colored differently. You know, every section of the site kind of had a different color. It was a really dramatic cosmetic update. Uh, but as far as the architecture of the site and the language on the pages, they, you know, in no uncertain terms, they really blew it. Um, so for us to help the site recover and get it back, not only back to where it was from a visibility perspective, but beyond that, it just allowed them to be excited about their cosmetic redesign again, you know? Um, so that was a big one. The other one was with that visibility, obviously started to uh, garner more clicks and um, I can't go into too much about what the law firm does, but their leads are extremely important. And just one lead could lead to a case that is worth millions of dollars, sometimes tens of millions. Um, so we were getting them a lot more leads per month. Uh, sometimes it was to the tune of 40 or 50. Um, doesn't sound like a whole lot, but again, it's a pretty niche kind of uh, part of the law. And just one of these leads could end up being a pretty historic case that is covered by all major news outlets. So, you know, when you get them up 40 leads, it's, it's a really big deal. So uh, there was a concrete value there as well. Well, yeah. And everything's, everything's relative, right? If you go from 10 to 40, that's a huge percentage increase. And there's a, as you mentioned, a real impact in, in the real world that can't be, um, can't be understated. Um, one of the things I, I like to say, and if you're on the client end and you happen to be listening to this, know this, right? When an, when an SEO comes in, everybody thinks their job is to increase traffic, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of what everybody thinks by default. And it isn't always like that. If you're going through a, a relaunch or a redesign, those are, or even a re-architecture, those are major events that can cause all kinds of volatility and long-term declines. So I often say that there are, there are really three results that can happen out of, out of one of those when, when your site has one of those major events. You can, you can either go down, you can stay steady, or you can go up. And only one of those results is really, really bad. Uh, staying steady is actually a good result when you're going through a redesign. And part of what we do is protecting traffic so that you don't lose it uh, and so that you don't. And I, I think I saw a website recently. I can't remember the site. It was pretty big, the, the, the website. Now, it probably had other problems, but they had to close up shop uh, completely on their, on their website, uh, you know, with this broad core algorithm update. But part of our job is to, is to protect your traffic to make sure that things like that don't, don't happen um, and hopefully along the way we can figure out ways to grow it. But most people don't think of SEOs like that. They don't think of them as traffic protectors. Uh, so it's definitely a very underrated aspect of our jobs. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, I, th I think you said um, for any clients that might be listening, I hope they are. Um, I hope that, um, you know, more clients start listening to SEOs talk like we are. Mm -hmm. um, not just on the, the client calls, because I think that's a really big thing is uh, clients understanding what the heck SEO does, what it can and can't do, that kind of thing. Um, and I also think the best agencies are concerned with that and trying to take steps to uh, improve client understanding of exactly what we're capable of doing um, and, and what we're not capable of doing and setting appropriate expectations. Um, one, one thing I thought of when you made that comment too is... Um, and I don't know how much you can get into, but I was curious about podcast promotion. I know it's probably a layup to get, you know, get this out to SEOs because, you know, we're kind of like the nerd group that loves what we all talk about and what we all do every day at work. But how do you, how would you get this out to someone who might be a client or a non-SEO that really needs that understanding? 
you, honestly, that, that's a good question. Um, you're right. SEOs are a little bit of a, a little bit of a layup. And I think that if I were out in the public a little bit more, it would proliferate uh, a little bit more. Um, my, my company search discovery is always willing to, to promote it. Um, you know, honestly, I haven't necessarily sent it out to, to clients very often. Um, only, only because I'm not, I'm not super self-promotional. So that's just, that's just not my thing. I, I am hoping that people pick it up and find value in it. Um, but in some cases with historical clients that I have, I'm not naming them, but if they were listening, they would probably know, yeah, Jake might be talking about talking about me or a situation that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I make sure that I keep certain, certain confidentialities, but there, there is the risk that a client might hear me say something and be like, Jake's a total asshole for saying that or whatever. Um, going forward, I don't think I really worry about that too much because I'm, I, I feel like I've got a lot of conviction, uh, and I keep it pro- professional, uh, in terms of if a client or if a prospective client or anybody would be, um, would be listening, listening to this, um, Honestly, I, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's a nut I, I don't think I've cracked yet in terms of uh, getting it out to the broader public, non-SEO public. And, and I think initially when I was kind of thinking about setting up a podcast, um, one of my, my target audience is other SEOs. So it is probably the next level uh, in terms of if you think of, of like a concentric circle, if I'm using, even using that terminology right, my initial audience is... Uh, for sure, SEOs. So this is a podcast for other SEOs to kind of know that they're not alone and that other people, uh, whether they be well-known or not well-known in the industry, are kind of sharing this this experience. Um, but then probably the next the next layer of that would be uh, people that aren't everyday everyday SEOs. And I don't think that I've um, figured that figured that out yet in terms of how to get that out to them and get those types of folks. Uh, listening. And that's also probably a function of like, I'm, I'm, I'm a one man show here in terms of the the promotion and the scheduling and the editing and, and everything. And I'm sure that if there were more people involved, we would probably or I would probably be able to do a better job of that. But honestly, this is this is it's like a it's it's a side hobby, for sure. Um, and something that I do because I'm passionate about what I do in the industry. But time is time is limited. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> Probably not the best answer, but that's my answer. No, that's that's the reality of it. Um, yeah, I mean, not 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 a surprising one. Um, but yeah, it, w- it would be a great audience to get it out to. Um, it's very appreciated, by the way. Um, hearing you say that it's a side hobby, um, yeah, it's super appreciated. I, I got started on this podcast with the J.R. Oaks uh, interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it, it was a great, great interview. And then of course, uh, you know, my colleague Jennifer Wright, uh, did it yep. as well. She was super excited about it. I think it's a great podcast. I know other SEOs appreciate it. Um, and I do hope it gets out to that larger audience because that understanding is definitely needed. Wow. I, uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, it's been nice to hear the, hear the positive reception. Um, just because when I started it, I honestly, I didn't know if other people would be interested in in uh in it or in kind of the direction because like the focus of this podcast isn't to knowledge share which is completely non-traditional um the focus of this podcast is what it's like to be an seo and where seos come from and knowledge sharing happens but that's not the focus and that's a little bit different than what's in our industry um i'm never the one that's gonna like try to stand up and be the smartest person in the room. I'm just the one that's going to try to talk to all the smartest people in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my, my focus and I really appreciate the, um, the positive sentiments. Yeah, you got it. So enough about me. Um, so as much as this podcast is about success, it's also about failures. So tell me about a failure or failures that you've had in your career as an SEO. Sure. Um, so I think, if I'm going to answer that one, I, I think I almost have to draw back on the uh, law firm example because while it was a success at the end, um, it's one that it burns very hot in my memory because I definitely took too long to identify the problem. Um, I could have seen it earlier. I should have seen it earlier. 
Um, and I should have uh, also pushed them to implement the solution sooner, but um, I didn't. I really didn't. It, and it, uh, it, like I said, it still burns hot in my mind because I know that there were weeks and months there that the site was suffering and the firm was suffering. And God knows, you know, what client could have used their services or would have connected uh, well with them uh, that didn't see them in search because of this issue that they were having. Um, so when I think back to failures, like that's always the one that jumps out, uh, jumps out pretty quickly to me. Um, just because I, I, I sort of balked a little bit and, and didn't uh, act on it. I, I waited for a timeline to uh, develop uh, just so I could be extra confident that this was the issue. Um, and looking back on it now with the experience I have now, um, it, it just was way too long. So that, that's one I can draw on. So my, I guess my question is, other than feeling confident about the recommendation, what would you have done different or why, why did you wait so long? Mm -hmm. Well, as far as what I would have done different, I think I would have reached out to my colleagues and asked for help. And I know I didn't do that because I thought I shouldn't need it. And it was, um, I was going to be almost frowned upon if I did ask for help, you know? Um, and I, again, I got in my own head. It's, it's similar to what we were talking about earlier. Um, I should have reached out to the more well-seasoned SEOs and said, here's the issue I'm seeing. Here's some of the thoughts I'm having. What do you think I should do? I need, I need someone to kind of give me a sanity check, give me a nudge, uh, give me that confidence that I'm not able to give myself uh, to take action on this issue that I know is there. Um, that's what I should have done, and I didn't do it. I actually think that that's really, really great advice. And I, I think that um, there's a certain a certain pride uh, in being an SEO and being a good SEO and not just with SEO, but being good at what you do. And I think once you get to a certain point, um, actually, I would say that doesn't even that doesn't even matter. Um, I know of many stories where there was, you know, a, a less experienced uh, person who was afraid to ask for help from a from a more experienced person because they were again just like you afraid that they would be looked down looked down upon or like that's a dumb question but there are plenty time plenty of times my myself um you know and i've i've got a lot of experience where i should probably ask questions and get over my my pride as well so i think that everybody kind of suffers from that to um to some to some degree so you're never too young or old to to ask for help and to ask for uh Ask, ask questions. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I embrace the questions now because it's a chance for you to learn. It's a chance for you not to have a regret to look back on. And also, if you work at an agency or wherever you work, uh, you should take every opportunity, in my opinion, to communicate with your colleagues because we, sh we spend so much of our time and our lives at work and we're together there. And we should be together there. We should be, uh, you know, bonding and talking and growing that, that relationship uh, between our colleagues and, and us. Um, that's one of the best parts of the job to me. Um, the, the people at work, uh, I'm glad they are the specific people they are, you know. Um, I, I can get along with anybody, but um, I love the people I work with. So I want to communicate with them as much as I possibly can just because it's fun. And every time I do, both of us get something out of it. Um, so yeah, take every chance you can to collaborate. Yeah. I had, um, I had a colleague, uh, that I used to work with that used to say that same thing all of the, all of the time. And when there would be kind of disharmony or lack of unity within the team, he would just stop. And he was really good at putting it in perspective and say, guys, we spend more time together than any of us spends with our friends or family because we're at work all day. So, you know, if you're going to be at work, everybody needs to, to get along and really important for, for people to hopefully like each other uh, yeah. and work together and share information and teach. Now, that's um, definitely something I've, I've also encountered, although I wasn't the one. I wasn't the one saying it. I was probably the one stirring up trouble. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Good enough. Um, so let me see, do you have any funny, funny stories, weird SEO stories, like just weird stuff that's happened to you? I thought about this one. It's tough because it, 
I, I don't want to make the SEO industry sound boring or anything like that, but it's a little bit bland. You know, it's tough to have a hilarious story about, you know, when you, uh, you know, deleted a column in Excel or something like that. But I do, I do have one funny story. So at GoFish, we have um, what are now weekly SEO team meetings. The team gets together and we talk about the latest stuff going on, uh, who did something that was a great technique that the whole team might not know how to, how to implement or whatever. And at the end of these meetings, which can be pretty detailed and involved, uh, we put the it's sort of like it's an open forum. And uh, uh, Jennifer uh, Wright actually came up with this saying, but we, uh, she calls them laughings. And so uh, these are just things we can share with each other where we goofed or messed up or whatever. I was on a client call and the project manager hadn't quite dialed in yet. She was having some trouble uh, connecting. And so I sort of was like, all right, you know, I'm SEO director. I'm going to step up and I'm going to, uh, uh, when the, when the project manager comes on, I'm going to fill her in on who's on the call. Like, Hey, so-and-so uh, we got the go fish team and we get blah, blah, blah from client name. Uh, if that makes sense. And so the project manager dials in and I told her, I was like, Hey, we have the go fish team and, uh, and we have Linda on the line. And I, I went in big, I, I hit that name real hard because I was feeling confident, uh, you know, and, and feeling good that I, I took the lead and, and caught the project manager up on what was going on. The lady's name was totally not Linda. It was Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just a big swing and a huge miss. And the whole call, I shrunk down to the size of like a, a neuron. I, I could not, I didn't even want to do my talking points, but I had to power through them. Um, so that's, that's one that came right. to my most recent laughings that we shared at a meeting. That's happened to me before. And I guess it's like a George, George Costanza. It's not a lie if you believe it. And that's not exactly it. But like, at least you did it with conviction, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've had um, I've had that happen where I called somebody the wrong name, and then I realized what I was doing after the call, and I had to email them and say, "Sorry." Oh yeah, yeah, it's bad. Uh, I mean, we we were talking about nerves before the panel, and like my brain does this thing where when I'm nervous, I float above my body and just watch myself and listen to myself. So one part of my mind is observing me, and then the other part of my mind is doing the the action. And that happens on calls all the time. Sometimes it happens when I'm introducing the team. I'll look at someone I work with every day. And just because I'm a little bit nervous, I like stutter on their name. And I do the same thing after the call. Their G chat is blowing up because I'm like, I know you. I love you. I just, you know, I goofed your name. I'm sorry. Yeah, there are. Have you ever seen the movie Old, old School? Yes, long ago. Okay, so there's a scene in Old School, for those of you that haven't seen it, where they're, uh, they're doing this de debate, and they're, they're up on stage, and these older guys who are trying to create a fraternity, they're being kind of put through the, the paces to get their fraternity approved, and one of the things that they have to do is a traditional like college debate, and so they put uh, Will Ferrell, who, whose character is Frank the Tank, uh, up there, and they surprise him by bringing in famed political commentator James Carville uh, to debate against him uh, political questions. And what happens to him uh, is is uh, James Carville. They give him a question. James Carville's about to speak, and Will Ferrell's character cuts in and says, "Actually, I'm going to cut you off." And he just goes into this incredible, incredible diatribe, answers the question perfectly. And when James Carville says, I, I can't refute that, that's a perfect answer, Will Ferrell's character kind of comes, comes out of it and, and looks around and goes, what just happened? And that's how, that's how I feel sometimes about when I'm, when I'm talking about a SEO is that sometimes I feel like I am completely that character and I just blank out. And then I finally come to when I'm done talking and I'm kind of like, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. I've, I've given answers before on a call and I go back to my desk and I, I have to replay it almost like asking someone, so what did you say? Like I wasn't there. I have to replay yep. it. Like, what did I say? Was that even the right answer? Yeah. It was like almost pure nerves as the octane behind the answer. Right. Right. So let's talk tactics. What's your favorite, what's the favorite SEO tactic that you're doing right now? Um, one that's been really, I, I, I have two that I really like. Um, and one, one that I, I have had a lot of success with, with a uh, relocation company 
uh, that we have as a client is uh, content consolidation. Uh, we went into their blog and uh, w- with that kind of topic, you know, like relocation, um, there, I mean, there's stuff to write about, but honestly, you're going to hit like a pretty short cycle where stuff starts to repeat. And so we went through and grabbed, um, well, first we looked at their top performing post and we noticed that they had a ton of other blog posts that pretty much talked about the same thing. We just took those blog posts and put them together with the top performer and we made the top performer so much longer. It had so much more detail, amazing subheadings. It just improved the post like crazy. And since the content was longer, we could add more, uh, like page resources, like images and and things like that. And we just made it a great post and it was a huge win. And so we pretty methodically just went through their top 10 blog posts and did the exact same thing and just boosted their traffic like crazy. It was, you know, 120% up year over year. Uh, And it just continues to, to get better. It seems like these algorithm updates, um, the one that happened in summer 2018-ish, and then the recent one, have only benefited this content. Um, so, you know, the long form must be a great match for the, for the query, which, of course, our team researched. But that was one of, the, one of the really good ones. A more technical one that I love doing is helping e-commerce sites figure out how to handle uh, sorting and refinement uh, parameters and then functionality. Uh, for instance, if you go to a, a like a furniture retailer or something like that and you go to their sofas page, you can sort by newest to oldest or price lowest to high. And then you've also got options to sort by color or mm-hmm. uh, couch material or something like that. I love helping them. Uh, we've got a tactic that we do um, that involves uh, URL parameters, uh, different URL structures, and robots disallows to help them optimize their visibility in search, but also keep uh, the, the crawl of their site under control. Um, so that's another one of like my favorite tactics. I tend to love the technical tactics uh, just because it feels cool. You just feel cool when you're talking about robots and you're talking about disallows and you're handling uh, URLs and when you can affect the site on a, um, on a section-wide or even a site-wide uh, level. I love changes that, you know, you make one recommendation that can apply to m- maybe thousands or hundreds of thousands of pages. Uh, those are really exciting to me. So th- those are a couple of the tactics I love. Yeah. And we're, um, I'm, I'm actually, I'm that second one. I'm doing exactly that for, for somebody that we're working with. And, and it's exactly an exercise in figuring out which parameters um, such as color are are going to be valuable if somebody were to find them in a search engine versus which parameters like new and used are good for the user when they get to the page, but not something anybody searches for or cares about and trying to figure out how we can, which ones to keep in the index, which ones not to keep and how to go about blocking that in the um, you know, blocking what we want to block in the system so that the crawl budget and I, this is the first time I've ever had to like deal with crawl budget on a massive, massive scale doesn't get out of, out of whack. And um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely something that, that I, I have an interest in as well. And I think I also come from a technical background and why I like it is because it's very black and, and white. Whereas I think um, content can be if 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 technical is the science, content is more the the art. It's a little bit more um, on the subjective subjective side of things. Even though I like con- doing content as well, so yeah, totally agree. What tools are you using these days? Um. Well, let's see. So definitely, uh, we can revisit. Um, I love Excel. Uh, I love Google Sheets too, but mm-hmm. there is some weird quirkiness that goes on in Google Sheets that I just don't completely trust it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just seen weird results from formulas and even filtering. When I, when I filter things, I get weird results. So uh, I still pretty much live in Excel. Sublime Text is an enormous, enormous tool. That's when I started using when I worked at ROI. Um, and that's when I started to really get interested in regular expressions. Uh, but Sublime Text is a huge tool. And I, I don't know how many SEOs use it. Um, I just personally don't run into a ton that use it exactly the way we do at GoFish. Um, but there's, there's a lot you can do in Sublime Text on a mass scale that is easier to do there than it would be in Excel. There's a lot of crossover there, but 
I find Sublime Text to be way more comfortable. So that's a big one I use. And then some of the like third-party tools I use, definitely Ahrefs, of course, obviously Google Search Console and all those standards. Um, but one that I do want to mention that I'm not sure a lot of people are aware of um, are the tools from Merkle. I actually met the representatives from Merkle um, at a C3 conference maybe in 2017. It was up in New York City. It was an awesome conference, but I actually met them. I thought their tools were a little sketchy looking like the website. I thought it was a little sketchy. So I was really excited to see that they were going to be at C3. And when they were, I went and face-to-face met them. And then I saw that they were super awesome, interested like cool people. Um, and I've actually emailed back and forth many times with their, with their dev who builds these tools. So I know they're legit. Um, but I would suggest any SEO take a look at Merkle's suite of tools um, because it's really interesting. They have a, a schema a generator. They've got uh, things that can emulate local search really easily without a lot of headaches. Um, and they've also got a robots tester, which is hugely, hugely useful you can test a URL against the live robots file or one that you've edited. Uh, so it's incredible for um, auditing and client deliverables, uh, uh, coming up with your own tactics with that edit feature. So that's one I would definitely recommend. And for those of you that don't know, and by the way, they have a great domain. Those tools are on uh, technicalseo.com. So go there. There's a lot of, lot of great tools. And actually, you brought me to something that – I think is um, it's really great about the about the industry, but it's also completely atypical from other industries. Like if you think about it, I work at Search Discovery. You work at GoFish. We're promoting Merkle. We're all theoretically we're all competitors. But what I what I love about the industry is that everybody is so willing to share, and there's so many opportunities um, enough to kind of go around that. I, people kind of throw that out the window and everybody's willing to um, share and, uh, and, and honestly play nice, uh, which, I, which I think is a great aspect of the, uh, of the industry that probably isn't present elsewhere. I totally agree. I just, well, I say I just had this conversation. It was probably like a year and a half ago, but um, I had this conversation with our CEO, Brian Patterson. I said the same thing to him. I go, it's not that I don't think we should be sharing and collaborating and be so open, but I just looked him in the eye and said, why, why do we do it? I did it at a meetup. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, because multiple agencies were speaking and they were sharing tactics that these other agencies could totally go back and apply themselves and have success, you know, and drive more business and things. Maybe it's because things aren't slim pickings. There's plenty of clients that need, need the work, but um, I can't articulate his answer exactly, but it was something to the effect of like, well, we all, we all improve from it. So that's why we keep coming back to do it. And I, I think that's totally true. I too, just like you are, uh, or, or am so thankful for the, uh, for the culture here because it's helped me professionally. Um, I love, uh, I mean, I was a teacher, so I love to teach and mm-hmm. it, it's great to be able to teach internally, but also you get a chance to talk to other people at other agencies and help them and see their careers improve just that little notch from maybe something you say at a panel or something you write on a blog post. So yeah, I I think it's also kind of weird, but it's really cool. I'm so thankful for it and I hope it just uh, continues. So what would be if some, somebody's uh, imagine this scenario, which is a re it's real for somebody imagine that they're getting into SEO this year, today, what advice would you give them? Um, man, that's a biggie. Mm-hmm. I think, okay. And this is obviously, I, I think every human's experience is pretty much everyone's is anecdotal. And so according to my anecdotal experience, this is what I would recommend. I would definitely recommend that you train, um, in SEO pretty holistically, you hit all the facets of it, but as early on as you can, I would start to develop an expertise because that has served me throughout my career and it continues to serve me, even though backlink penalties or whatever you want to call them uh, and analysis isn't in high demand. I still get like when we have a client come through and there's a special need, I'm the one people turn to, even though other people on the team can totally do the work. 
So I would develop an expertise because it's something you're going to be known for. That would be, that would be number one, find a focus and develop an expertise. The other thing is find a mentor and utilize them as much as you possibly can. You never know how long you're going to be at an agency. So every day you can collaborate with them, uh, ask the questions that you don't want to ask and, and get that knowledge. Men personal mentors have been more helpful to me than any blog post, Twitter, any of that stuff. I see all that stuff as supplementary. Um, I want to spend my time sitting down with another human being and being guided in the appropriate way to do SEO according to best practices. And you're just generally not going to find that in your supplemental materials or supplementary materials. Um, so develop an expertise, find a mentor. And then number three, and it's the last thing, keep your boots on the ground and just grind out that SEO work every single day. Uh, take calculated safe chances um, don't go above your pay grade with the, with the risks you take as far as like giving recommendations, but, um, keeping your boots on the ground, just doing the work every single day is that's where you're going to build your muscle. So that's actually a, a, a fairly good segue. So you'd mentioned, uh, Trip Hamilton and Brandon Howell, but have you had any other kind of mentors in the industry that you would want to you know, showcase? Absolutely. I mean, I'm about to name everybody at go fish, honestly, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, if I don't name anybody and you're listening, I apologize, but I'm just going to go through some of the main ones. But everybody really has, because when I started at GoFish, I asked everybody questions. I did that on purpose because I wanted multiple perspectives. I wanted to bond with new employees, you know, that I hadn't talked to much. And, and it was like, you know, hugely beneficial. But Brian Patterson, Dan Hinckley, Matt Parker, who's the best SEO you've probably never heard of, uh, Chris Long. All of my, my entire SEO team, um, yeah, I mean, they were all fantastic and they were there for me uh, when I needed them to be. And they answered the questions I needed answered. Um, outside of that, you know, then we kind of get into um, people you follow on Twitter, that kind of thing, people you hear and meet at conferences. But um, if, I, if I had to name just a few, uh, it would be those particular names from GoFish, but really everybody is in that pool. You know, and it's, it's funny, right? So there, there definitely is a, a conference circuit and I've definitely shared my many, many thoughts on that in, in conference circuit SEOs, but the best SEO that I was ever exposed to is so not well known. It's, it's, it's laughable. And, and they, and not only were they, were they amazing, they were much younger than me. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a humbling, humbling moment. Um, and they're still, for whatever reason, not well known. And I think that it's because they don't put themselves out there. But in 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 this case, it's a guy named Matt Saunders, fantastic SEO. Um, and I worked with him ages ages ago. And uh, man, he was he was awesome. But he's not well known. Uh, and there are a ton of SEOs out there that are just like that. So if if you're listening, remember, like the people screaming the loudest aren't necessarily the best. Uh, so definitely yeah. consider that. Absolutely. And Jake, if you, if you don't mind, I'd like to say one thing about, uh, Matt and then one thing about millennials that that works. Oh, do you, do you know Matt? Oh no, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> I was like, wow, small world. We both have a, a Matt that like, isn't, isn't quite visible, uh, right. but yeah, I, I'd love to give Matt Parker a shout out. Cause, uh, yeah, I mean, he, 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 uh, isn't like one of those loud ones. I mean, I'm not really either. I, I just have a small Twitter following and I'm not like, you know, super thirsty to go to every single conference or anything like that. I'm very sensitive to the amount of time I'm spending in PowerPoint uh, preparing presentations. I'm a blue collar SEO. I will always be a blue collar SEO. I want my boots on the ground. I want to be in the weeds with my team uh, doing the work because that's, that's where I feel satisfied and it's where I feel like I get better. Um, but yeah, Matt Parker, he deserves a shout out to the SEO community if you don't know about him because uh, he's our subject matter expert at GoFish and he is a superb SEO. He's incredibly responsible incredibly knowledgeable about best practices. He, he's current. Uh, his, um, his campaign strategy is always sound. Uh, he's incredibly thorough. 
incredibly successful with his clients. I really, I could go on and on. Um, and it's probably, you know, eliciting an eye roll, but, uh, he's, he really is a fantastic SEO and he deserves recognition. So I wanted to at least give him that. I'm sure he'll, he'll appreciate it. Um, where can, where can people find him? Um, is he I, online? <laughs> no, no, he went dark in uh, 97. No, right. uh, I guess this look up Matt Parker on Twitter. He's probably following me. Um, he, he, he might be on Twitter. I, I'm not exactly sure that that might not be Matt though. That could just be my own. Like I don't keep up with Twitter too, too, too well. I mean, I try to post and stay active, but I couldn't even tell you for sure if he's on there. I'm, 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 you know, I, if I had to say, I think he probably is, but uh, you can probably look him up on Twitter. You can find him on our, on our website and that might have his, his Twitter links as well. Okay. And, and uh, so I wanted to round out this, this interview. So where can people find you? Okay. I'm going to, I'm looking it up right now, just to be sure. So best place to find me is probably on Twitter. And my handle is Brian Gorman GFD. And that's, that's the best place I post. Like, you know, if I do a blog post, I'll, I'll put it there. Uh, you're definitely going to get some of my afternoon quips, uh, my dad jokes, that kind of thing. Um, on Twitter, but I, I retweet and I post uh, some pretty useful stuff as far as SEO goes. So that's where you can find me. So you, if you ever watch The Office, you are the king of forwards. <laughs> oh, if I ever watch The Office, you're talking to, I have, I'm sure I've seen it 30 times. I love that show. And oh, I the expert. Yeah. It, I hated it. I didn't, I didn't like the awkward humor. I wasn't, I wasn't there yet. I feel like for me, it was an acquired taste. Once I acquired that taste, it's all I can turn on. I have Netflix and it's basically just the office every single time I turn it on. Oh man. Yeah. I could, I could do a whole, whole nother show, a show about the office because I love it so much, but anyways, so want to be respectful of time. So Brian, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on. Uh, this was another great conversation. I feel like each conversation I have things just uh, continue to get better and, and better. And that's a direct result of my guests being knowledgeable and willing to come on and be candid and, and answer sometimes difficult questions. So really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, Jake, uh, same to you. I really appreciate it. Um, I had a, I had a great time uh, after listening to the podcast. This is exactly what I hoped for and expected. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a great conversation. Um, to, next time, uh, maybe offline, we'll get a bit more into music and recording and we'll definitely talk the office. Cool. Maybe we'll, we'll put a band together. You can play guitar and I'll sing. That sounds good, man. All right, man. Have a good day.